0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening world. I am Reverend Adrian L. Robinson II, aka Rev. Rob, and this is Deeper in the Word, where we give you the real about scripture with people who actually know and understand it, so that you can better understand what certain things in the Bible mean, how they relate to your life and experience, and how you can apply something written so long ago to what you are going through right now, today. And today, my friends, today's show is entitled American Idols, American Idols. And since this ain't a music show, y'all know that we're not about to be getting our harmonizing on or getting our sea crest on today, nothing like that. No friends, today, today we're tackling a topic that some might be surprised to learn is actually just as relevant for us today as it was for the people living thousands of years ago. And that topic is idolatry. And look, out of all the episodes we've ever done on this show, and we encourage y'all to go back and listen to any episodes you may have missed, this one might be one of the more personal ones that we've done. Because I want to make it clear from the jump, I pray that it doesn't come off like I sit here in judgment of other people on this show. That is not what we're about here. No, we're about calling out behaviors that run contrary to the word of God, period, We're not about calling out people. We're about calling out behaviors, which are not specific to any particular person, but which a lot of people engage in. So this is never about us as a show trying to look down on people. We love the people. In fact, we are the people. We come from the people, which is why it's so important to relate things that believers go through in this context of saying things like we and us and our on this show. In other words, y'all, We never wanted to come across like we're excluding ourselves from the things that we talk about when it comes to believers, because as we've said on this very show, nobody is perfect except for Jesus, okay? And so I say that today's show is personal because quite frankly, we're all guilty of engaging in various forms of idolatry, me included. So that's why it's personal, because I'm talking about me too, not just everybody else. Remember Romans 2.11 tells us that God is not a respecter of persons, okay? Meaning God doesn't play favorites or show favoritism. So when supposed quote unquote people of God start acting like they're above the very things that they preach or teach against, oh, that's actually offensive to God, okay? You can't profess to be a follower of him and then you talking down on other people like you're better than them. It doesn't work that way. And that's not what we ever want to have come across on this show, because we're not about that. And so with all that being said, that establishing the parameters for the jump off, we want to get right into our discussion on the topic of idolatry, starting, of course, with some definitions, because we got to define it so that you know what it is. So exactly what is an idol and why would an idol be dangerous to us? And what exactly does an idol idolatry look like in today's world? And we're gonna to endeavor to answer all three of those questions today. Because the reality is right now there are two types of people listening to this podcast when it comes to idolatry and the topic of idolatry. One, people thinking, bro, what is idolatry? And then two, this group thinking, um, I know what idolatry is, but that was in the old testament. How does that relate to us today in the dagger 21st century? And we're address both of those questions in due time, but for starters, the word idolatry from a dictionary standpoint is defined as, quote, image, worship, or divine honor paid to any created object. That's the dictionary definition, okay? Standard, technical. Now, from a biblical standpoint, however, there's basically two definitions that we're working with here, Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament, we'll start here. Recall the first and second commandments that God gave to Moses when he gave the Ten Commandments. Recall the first and second one. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. That's Exodus chapter 20, verses three to five. Okay? Okay. And so the Hebrew word within this text that is used for idols is the word Pesel, spelled P-E-C-E-L. And it means an idol or graven carved image. Meaning when God said, do not make any idols of any kind, the main form of making those idols would have been carving them out of wood. This is what is meant by a graven image or as our translations, the English standard says, carved image. But that's what it is. It's the carved image on an object. And the object itself as a whole is the idol. Does that make sense? Think of it like this. Y'all ever seen the Easter Island heads? you know what I'm talking about? Easter Island, those big gigantic heads on Easter Island. Nobody knows how they got there. Go Google that right now. Pull up... Eastern Island heads, and then click on images, and you'll see it. The face that you see there, that's the graven image. The whole thing, the whole statue itself, that's the idol. It so does it make sense. So that's the Old Testament standpoint. Now, from a New Testament standpoint, the word idolatry is taken from the Greek word idolatria, which means the worship of false gods, and that's usually by paying homage to images, also called idols. So by now you're like, okay, I still don't see the point. Well, there are many famous quotes by people, famous people, which outline what idolatry is from a modern day perspective. Check out some of these quotes. One uh, person said, Idolatry is seeking security and meaning in someone or something other than God. Okay? Pretty good. Another one said, if you want to follow Jesus because he will give you a better life, that's idolatry. You're supposed to follow Christ for the sake of Christ because he's worthy, not because of what he can do for you. That's idolatry. The great theologian John Calvin said this about idolatry. For what is idolatry if not this? To worship the gifts in place of the giver himself. Ooh, that's good. And then there's John Piper, of course, who said, we make a God out of whatever we find most joy in. So find your joy in God and be done with all idolatry. It's pretty simple. In other words, from a modern standpoint, an idol is any person, object, or activity that you give a higher priority to in your life than your relationship with God. And in this way, an idol can be anything. It can be your home. It can be a job. It can be your car. It can be a relationship. It can be your family. An idol can be a pet. It can be a computer or what you look at on the computer. An idol can be alcohol. It can be drugs. It can be sex or any sin. An idol can even be work that you do for the Lord that consumes all of your energy and time. It's anything that someone loves more than God that someone wants more than God, that someone desires more than God, that someone treasures more than God, and or someone enjoys more than God. It's anything that you put before God in your relationship with him. And that leads me to the second thing to notice from the text of Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. Note how God describes himself as, quote, a jealous God. Now, some of y'all are out there like, Uh, how can God be jealous? He already has everything and can do anything he wants. What's he got to be jealous of? Well, God is jealous in the sense that he wants you to remain faithful in putting him before everything else. And it's the same today for us as it was in the time of the Israelites. Only God is worthy of our praise and worship. So why is God a jealous God? Because he loves you. He's a jealous God because he wants what's best for you. So when we hear the word jealous, we think of it in humanistic terms or rather by human definitions, because when we feel jealous, it's often due to um, us desiring somebody's attention. And the reason why we do it is we want to feel validated. But see, that would suggest that God's state of mind somehow changes based on our actions. If we're equating jealousy the way we know it with the, the phrase jealous God. See, it's not true that God's state of mind somehow changes based on our actions. God doesn't flip-flop like that. The Word says, I am the Lord God. I change not. Okay? God is an infinite being who don't need anybody on earth approval to do anything. So instead, He's a jealous God because we belong to Him. Make sense? Um... Last time I checked, God created us and everything around us. So yeah, I think he's got a rightful claim to us. Don't you agree? He's got a rightful claim to the highest level of our love, our attention, our affection, and especially our worship. Here's the thing though. That's not for his benefit. That's for ours. Think about it. God knows that when we put him first, we line ourselves up for an abundance of blessings that are going to come after that as a result. And that's why it's a loving jealousy. Because we were made to find our greatest joy when we make God our greatest treasure. Make sense? So God is jealous that he be honored by being treasured. He's also jealous that we be satisfied by treasuring him. So he's jealous in a loving way and he's jealous in a righteous way. And so when you think of it that way, when we feel like we got to put other things in his place that we think satisfy us more than he does, then not only do we offend him, we also destroy ourselves. Because there's two things that clearly make God angry. Number one, he doesn't want to be offended. Number two, he doesn't want us to destroy ourselves. That upsets him. And that my friends is what makes idolatry so dangerous. Remember, that was one of the three questions that we asked from the outset. What is it Define. Why is it dangerous? And how does it relate to us today? Idolatry is so dangerous because it separates us from God. And there are a lot of believers who are spiritually dry because they replace God with other things. They feel like something is missing in their life and they're constantly on the search to find out what that thing is. Because that's what idols do. Idols create a brokenness and a hunger in us. Remember, the text of scripture says that Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. And when we're separated from the vine, we're separated from the source. You take a branch away from the the vine, that branch is going to wither and die. Make sense? For example, what happens if you leave your phone unplugged from the charger for two, three days? Your phone's going to eventually die, right? In the same way, when we get unplugged from the Lord, it activates a slow spiritual death. And when we feel like God is distant, like God has abandoned us when actually it was the other way around and we're the ones who separated ourselves from him. When we feel like that, we become withdrawn from him. And when people are withdrawn from God, they instead rely on what? Their idols. You don't believe me? Think about it. When people fall on hard times or otherwise have distress or tension or pressure or any any of that, what's the first thing they do to ease their pain? Some people eat, some people drink, some people smoke. So here's your idol friends. In other words, people do something to try to numb the pain, but these are coping mechanisms. They're not really dealing with the issue. It's like a bucket with a hole in it. You're trying to rush to put out the fire with this bucket and you fill it with water and you run over toward the fire and the distance it takes from you to travel from where you filled the bucket to where the fire is All the water is gone by the time you get to the fire because it was a hole in the bucket. It was completely useless. This is the same thing that happens when you try to replace God with something else that you love, my friends. And that's the other danger associated with idolatry. Eventually, you're going to become like your idol. In other words, you will become like what you worship. Look at what the psalmist said about idols in Psalm 115 verse 8. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. I mean, that, you can't get no clearer than that. For instance, people who spend their lives worshiping God are filled with the spirit and you can see it, it's all in their life. It's real evident. That's because again, when you worship your idol, you become consumed by it. You, When you follow that, you become consumed by it. You worship it. And worship is a powerful thing, y'all, because worship changes your entire being. And sometimes in that way, Worship is used for bad more than it is for good. What do I mean? Think about teenagers and how they follow certain rappers or whatever. Why do you think they dress like that? Because the rappers are dressed like that. Why do you think they're talking like that? Because the rappers are talking like that. Why do people get plastic surgery? Because they want to physically look like somebody that they think look like they got it going on physically. The more you are influenced by your idol, the less content you become. Because that's what idols do. They tell us that we're not good enough the way that we are. And that's why a lot of people, including your teenagers, try to look and act like their favorite celebrities. Just remember, the people don't know you, they arguably don't care about you, and they definitely don't know your worth for you to be idolizing them. (laughs) But Christ thought you were to die for it. Don't forget that. See, idol worship binds us to the truth. Or excuse me, it blinds us to the truth. Because for a lot of people, idols have become a way of life and they're so consumed by them that they don't even realize that things have become an idol to them. And because of that, unfortunately, a lot of Christians today still get these definitions of idols and idolatry twisted. So, coming up next, We're gonna delve into what I alluded to earlier related to what the word of God specifically says about idolatry and how the people of God have been struggling with this subject since the beginning. And we're gonna do that when we come back from the break. Diamond Cup Building Maintenance is a privately owned business that provides a wide range of janitorial, floor care, and handyman services all-size commercial businesses. Our services also include deep clean and disinfectant cleaning, which kill harmful germs, including the coronavirus. Our team has over two decades of experience, so we can provide the highest quality services to our customers. This is why we are a sparkle above the rest. Please join our Facebook page to learn more about us at Diamond Cut Building Maintenance. Welcome back to Deeper in the Word. As a reminder, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and on Apple Podcasts and the iTunes Store. Thank you so much to all of our platform providers. We love y'all. Also, to all of our listeners, please subscribe to our podcast. Y'all never really hear me say that, but we really do need for y'all to subscribe so that we know that y'all are out there and that we can keep bringing y'all this content. Amen. Also, don't forget to email us at info at to send us your question, in the comments for the show and to subscribe. <laughs> and remember, we want you to join us every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific, whatever time on the other side of the world, but you invited as well for our online church services. It's not your typical online service. We're not boring and stuffy. We have fun. You already know how we do. But just go to BenevolentFaithMinistries.online.church and create a screen nickname so you can chat along with us during the service. Also, please check out our newly revamped YouTube channel, Benevolent Faith Television. Just go to the search box in YouTube and put in Benevolent Faith Ministries and it'll pop up. You can see all of our videos. You can see all of our past Bible studies that you can still participate in in a small group right now and you can still get the materials for it online at our website. All of that. You can see all of our online services that we have for Tuesdays, if you may not have been there. And you can see previously aired episodes of our TV show, "Walk in the Word with Benevolent Faith Ministries, which will be airing new episodes until December 9th, 2020. That's our last show on there. So check out the show, please. Finally, and y'all have been hearing me saying for a while, you'll hear more information, more specific information, starting next week about our new study, Um, Outrageous justice that we're doing in conjunction with Prison Fellowship, one of our giving partners. We're going to be talking about criminal justice and prison reform and how we can go about enacting that as believers. Amen. We're excited about that and we can't wait for that. But today, y'all, today is entitled, our show is entitled American Idols. And we're talking about the topic of idolatry and idol worship, not singing. And in our last segment, We gave some working definitions, both secular and biblical, of what idolatry is. But now we want to probe a bit deeper into exactly what the Bible has to say about idolatry in both the Old and the New Testaments. Now this is getting to the good stuff, okay? See, God's people in the Old Testament were constantly tempted to participate in idolatry through their contact with heathen nations. And they often gave in to that temptation. Remember, a heathen... Is anybody that doesn't subscribe to any religious or other doctrine, you know, and as as looked upon by people who do. So somebody that practices Christianity as looking at someone else who doesn't practice anything as a heathen. That's what that definition is. So in that sense, idolatry has a heathen origin, meaning it was introduced to the people of God. It's not something that they came up with themselves. You know, Aunt Esther probably would have hated idolatry then. You old heathen, <laughs> shout out to from the sun. But by the time of Jesus, y'all, the Jewish people had stopped worshiping idols. That's what, in a the, in the grand sense, the way they were in the Old Testament, they had stopped doing it by the time of Jesus. That's why you barely see any mention in the Four Synoptic Gospels, the Gospels of Jesus. That's why you don't see them speaking too much about idolatry except in a few specific instances which we're gonna outline in a minute. But again, we're talking about the Old Testament first. The first and second commandments, as we mentioned in the last segment, are directed against idolatry of every form. Now think about this. If these were the first two commandments, that means that God thought they were important enough to mention first off the bat from the jump. That means that he found them to be the more important of all the other eight commandments, even though all of them are important. But he put these first. So that means that it must have been a real problem then if he mentioned them first. And scripture backs up the idea that it was a real problem and that it was dealt with real seriously. Because both individuals and entire communities lived by a rigorous code that regulated idolatry. Uh, like what you're talking about? Okay, for instance, look at Exodus chapter 22, verse 20. Look it up. got it? Okay. Notice that it says, whoever sacrifices to any God other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. Devoted to destruction. (laughs) That don't mean that you're about to get shown some love, y'all. Okay. Not only that, but check this out. If you were related to somebody who tried to encourage people to engage in idolatry with them, You know, on some, hey, it's not that bad. Come try it with me. You were commanded by the law of God, the law of God to kill that person. Dude, this ain't story time with Adrian. I'm reading right out of the text. I'm not making this up. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 6 through 10. Look at what it says. And I quote, if your brother, the son of your mother, Or your son or your daughter or the wife you embrace or your friend who is as your own soul entices you secretly saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known. Some of the gods of the peoples who are around you, whether near you or far off from you, from one end of the earth to the other, you shall not yield to him or listen to him nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him, nor shall you conceal him, but you shall kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. You shall stone him to death with stones, because he sought to draw you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Woo! He was saying even your own blood had to give you that work if you got caught worshiping other gods. And according to the text, chapter 9, verse 9, you need to be the one that strikes them first and everybody else can strike. Them. So you need to be the one to kill them. <laughs> or put it another way, mm, <laughs> Also, any nation which engaged in this type of thing or encouraged its citizens to do that, that nation was also marked for destruction. And you can see that all throughout the books of the minor prophets like Amos and Joel and Jonah and Obadiah, all of them. There's 11 minor prophets. They all preached about God's coming destruction upon either the Northern or the Southern kingdom, sometimes both, and all their surrounding neighbors, all for this same reason which was idolatry or worshiping false gods. And there's so many examples and I can't outline them all because we ain't got time, but I will give you the text. Look it up for yourself. Get a pencil, some paper, write these down so you look it up for yourself. Because here's proof of this, of how if you engage in idolatry, if your neighbor's in all of y'all was about to catch that work. Okay? Look at how the Old Testament is filled with references to the extermination of the Canaanites as punishment for their idolatry and for their efforts to tempt other nations to practice it as well. Look at Exodus chapter 34 verses 15 to 16. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 12 verses 29 to 31 and Deuteronomy chapter 20 verses 15 to 17. I encourage you to read all of those on your own time, but all of those show that the Canaanites were punished and exterminated, eliminated from the planet because of their idolatry and their habit of trying to teach that idolatry to other people. It was serious. In fact, pretty much all of the disasters and the misfortunes that happened to the Israelites themselves were because of their idolatry. Again, look at the prophets, the major and the minor. They warned the people forever. Y'all better get it together, get it together. If you don't, God is gonna, it's not gonna be pretty. Look at how the prophet Jeremiah put it right before God sent the Israelites into Babylonian exile. It's pretty clear. Jeremiah chapter two, verse 17. Have you not brought this upon yourself by forsaking the Lord your God when he led you in the way? God was like, y'all should have listened to me before. You brought it on yourself. That's what the scripture says. So whether people engaged in it or not. For countless numbers of ancient peoples, the idea of worshiping other gods was serious business. Now, people what this one historian, this anonymous historian, had to say about how idolatry was viewed back in the day. Listen to what he says. A city guilty of, guilty of idolatry was looked upon as a cancer in the state. It was considered to be in rebellion and treated according to the laws of war. Its inhabitants and all their cattle were put to death. Idolatry was not looked upon favorably, y'all, and as we outlined in the first segment, God is a jealous God in that he's not trying to see you give another entity credit for anything because everything comes from God and no place else. So yeah, he got a right to be jealous because it's a loving, and righteous jealousy, as we said before. And the Israelites believed that God ruled alone on the throne and was the head of all people, the real king of the nation, of any nation. Therefore, for an Israelite, you can start to see this, for an Israelite to engage in idolatry was considered a national offense equal to high treason. That's why whenever the Israelites conquered territory and took it over, the first thing they were commanded to do was what? destroy all traces of any kind of existing idolatry that was in that nation, especially Canaanite idolatry. Again, we don't have time, but the text says it. I'm not making this up. Look at Exodus chapter 23, verse 24 and verse 32. And look at Exodus chapter 34, verse 13. And look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 25. And Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Those all spell it out for you, okay? The Bible itself is basically an outline of the history of the Israelite people, okay? And when you trace that outline and that history, you see that century after century, generation after generation, the people repeatedly felt prey to being drawn away from God in order to serve other false gods. And it wasn't just regular people, everyday people that did this. The kings did this, priests did this, the prophets did this, people that should have known better, they did it too. And in this way, it's critical to remember that disobedience is the original sin and therefore encompasses all sin. That started in the Garden of Eden with uh, Adam and Eve. God laid out clear parameters. Do whatever you want. Don't eat from that tree. But instead, what they do, they did what they wanted to do. And they were disobedient. That's the original sin. Therefore, that encompasses all sin afterwards, including idolatry. So that's the Old Testament breakdown. All right. What about the New Testament? Well, we already said that idolatry isn't mentioned much in the New Testament because again, by the time of Jesus, the Jewish nation as a people were way past that. But outside of Jerusalem, oh, idolatry was inescapable. Now remember, we're talking about Greco-Roman times, the times when the Romans, the, 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 the nation of Rome ruled that whole region. And everybody spoke Greek and that's the Greco-Roman times. And throughout the Greco-Roman world, idols were respected. They'd be all ever, everywhere. you find them in temples, That were dedicated to the various Gentile gods. Um, Shaman used them to practice uh, magic, stuff like that. That's why when the Apostle Paul went out on his missionary journeys into the Gentile world, he encountered idols and people who participated in idolatry of every kind. For example, when Paul went to Athens, as outlined in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 17, verse 16, or chapter 17, The text tells us in verse 16 that he was, quote, greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols because Athens was a city that was committed to a lot of forms of idolatry as were the cities of Ephesus and Corinth for that matter. In fact, y'all, we did a whole TV show based on this topic called Navigating the Marketplace based on Paul's experience in the marketplace in Athens. We did that on our show, Walking the Word with Benevolent Faith Ministries, that, like we said, Catch it on the Nile Network every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern, at least until December 9th. But yeah, Paul ran into that. Paul also speaks out against the types of idolatry where we desire something above God. Remember, we said earlier that that was one of our biblical definitions. For example, in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 32, sexual debauchery. That means you real nasty with the nasty. Sexual debauchery and other sins are ultimately traced in this text to idolatry. And Paul also includes idolatry in his list of what he calls, quote, deeds of the flesh. And you can see that in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 20. Now, y'all, these are just a few examples, okay? And again, I encourage y'all, read that scripture we gave you, okay? But by now, you get the point. Saints of God, we need to make sure that we don't place desire or value anything more than God. Don't matter if it's family, if it's, a, if it's a job, if it's your success, don't matter if it's money. It don't even matter if it's you being depressed or the way you view yourself, your self image, or how lonely you feel. God should always be first in our lives because God is all we'll ever need. Amen? So we've examined what the Bible has to say about idolatry, or rather, we've examined the biblical definition and instances of idolatry. And in our last segment, We want to shift gears a bit and turn our focus to a modern perspective, or rather, how idolatry relates specifically to Christians today. Because as we're going to see, idolatry is alive and well and kicking in our world. So come back to our discussion as we bring it on home after the break. Are you looking to complete a home purchase? Whether you're a buyer or a seller, Meister Home Inspections, or MHI, offers professional and accurate home inspection services throughout the Northeast Atlanta area that provide home buyers and sellers, as well as their agents, with the information they need to successfully complete any home purchase. Visit their website at MHIHomeInspection.com, that's MHIHomeInspection.com, to learn more or to set up your home inspection appointment today. My name is Christopher James McClendon. I am a professional Christian counselor. I am offering an eight-week Christian counseling group, 100% online. During the eight weeks, I will personally walk you through my book, Seven Steps to Receiving God's Blessing. This group provides measurable results. I believe in faith and works. The Bible is God's word and science is God's works. Therefore, I integrate the two to help bring about healing in the lives of others. If following these seven steps motivated my recovery from permanent paralysis, Imagine what it can do for you. Find out more by visiting stateanchor.org or call 678-723-6800. You can also follow me on Instagram at saltpc. What's up, y'all? This is Rev Rob, and I'm inviting you to join us live for our weekly online services. Every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific. All you have to do is log on at BenevolentFaithMinistries.online.church and it'll take you directly to the live worship session. Now, if you get there a bit early before service is started, stay and enjoy the fellowship with us and others through the chat system. You can even participate live and chat with our hosts during and throughout the service, as well as take notes and follow along in the Bible section we have available. And you can request Prayer or even join Benevolent Faith Ministries itself. Remember, you can log on at benevolentfaithministries.online.church every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, and we can't wait for you to worship with us. Welcome back to Deeper in the Word. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook. Just search for at Benevolent Faith Ministries in that search box and like our page to support us. That's how you can stay up to date on everything we got going on, too, because anything we're doing, we're going to put on Facebook. That's the only reason I'm on Facebook. I'm going to keep it real with y'all. I don't like social media. I don't like the way it, it it is constructed. You know what? Don't get me started on that. Just go like us on Facebook, please. We appreciate y'all. And don't forget, you can join us every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern during our live prayer call line. If you can't make the live call, you can call the prayer playback line 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in order to hear what you may have missed. Amen. Today, y'all. Today, we've been discussing the topic of idols and idolatry. And in our last two segments, we explored just exactly what idolatry is and why it's considered dangerous for us. Now, in our final segment. We want to examine exactly what idols and idolatry look like in today's world. And basically, today's idolatry involves the activity of the human heart, period. Meaning, today's idolatry starts in the heart. That's where it starts. Craving, wanting, enjoying, being satisfied by anything that you treasure more than God, as we defined before. That, my friends, is idolatry, and that thing is an idol. And in that way, all the various forms of modern idolatry have one thing in common at their core, and that is glorification of the self. In other words, today, we don't bow down to graven images like they did in the Old Testament. Instead, we worship at the altar of the God of self. Me, 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 me. And I mean, we could literally be all here all day talking about this, y'all. But to just give you a few examples of how we worship at the altar of self. Take, for instance, we worship at the altar of self. We worship the self, I should say, at the altar of materialism. That's how one of the ways we worship ourselves. Meaning, we feed our, our, our own desires to build our egos through the acquisition of more stuff. We buy bigger and bigger houses so that we can hold more and more of the stuff that we buy. And then, even though our houses are already overflowing with so much stuff that we're running out of room and gotta get storage spaces (laughs) off-site, we still rush out and buy more stuff. The newest computers, the newest furniture, the newest workout equipment, the newest Jordans, the newest iPhone. And the whole process starts all over again. People do spring cleaning to get rid of stuff, every spring only, and you give it to the Salvation Army or the Goodwill or whoever, only to turn around and get more stuff and then next spring they gotta do it again. <laughs> this, my friends, is called covetousness. And that's the insatiable desire for more, better, and newer stuff all the time, especially when looked at in comparison to what others have. That's covetous, covetousness. And that's a form of idolatry. And look at what the 10th commandment says about coveting. It's pretty clear. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant or his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. That's Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. Saints of God, it's not that the Lord don't want you to go on a shopping spree. It's not even that he doesn't want you to have as much as the next person does. He just knows that we ain't never going to find happiness always catering to our materialistic desires because he knows that that's how the enemy traps us and keeps our focus on the enemy and worldly things and keeps our focus off of God. Don't miss that. Secondly, we worship the self at the altar of our own pride and ego. How so? because we obsess over things like our careers or our jobs. Think about it. Too many people spend too many hours a week working instead of tending to more important things, you know, like their families or their children. So so you got this guy, for instance. He works 60 to 70 hours a week, including on the weekends and during vacations. The kids are like in the pool, like, hey dad, look at me. He's on the computer. Uh-huh, way to go, Jimmy. Not even paying attention. He's in the process of neglecting his family and his kids, and he justifies that neglect by telling himself, well, I'm doing this for them. I'm doing this so my kids can have a better life, so that they can have better than I have. (laughs) But the truth is, that guy is actually doing it for himself to increase his own self-esteem by appearing more successful in the eyes of the world or to anybody else at at the company. It's the altar of pride and ego Friends, the Bible tells us that all of our works and accomplishments Is going to be useless after we die And the way that the people in the world Quote, love us That's also going to be useless Because those things don't have any eternal value So that value that you place on your job Or your title God ain't going to care about that when you get to heaven But he is going to care about how you went about Discipling your children About who he is and what he expects from them and there ain't no amount of work success that's going to help you with that. Amen. Finally, and I'm done, y'all. And arguably the most detrimentally, this one, we worship the self at the altar of self aggrandizement. Or rather, we work to fulfill our own desires by excluding everybody else or the needs and the desires of other people. Again, it's all about me and what I want. Me, me, me. I don't care about what you want. I don't care about if what I want puts you at a disadvantage. I want it. Screw your disadvantage, it's all about me. (laughs) And our country just just loves self-indulgence. That's all we do in America whether it's alcohol you're talking about or drugs or food, we're quick to find some way to overindulge in something. It's what we do in America. Hey, there's a good idea, let's run it into the ground. (laughs) That's what we do. Why else would you have a restaurant that specializes in serving food that is very high in fat, sugar, and cholesterol? In other words, food that if you ate it regularly would cause you a heart attack. True story, we ain't gotta say their name on here, just Google restaurant and heart attack and it'll pop up. That's America. Instead of showing self-control or total restraint when it comes to these type of things, no, we instead, we feed our insatiable desires to eat, drink, and medicate ourselves into oblivion more and more. And by not curbing our desires and taking them captive, we show our desire and willingness to make ourselves the God of our lives and not the actual God. Say to God, we will never find happiness focusing solely on ourselves. Our hearts and minds must be centered on God and on other people or God's people. Because that's why when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? What did he say? Look at Matthew 22, verse 37. He says the greatest commandment was to quote, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind." That was the greatest one. What was the next greatest commandment? Love others as you love God. Period. When we love the Lord and others with everything that's in us, there will be no more room in our hearts for idolatry. It's just that simple. Because remember, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse seven tells us that God looks at the heart, not the outward appearance. So in other words, God sees what your eyes are looking at, which leads us to the question that we all need to be asking ourselves in moments of self-reflection. What are you looking at? Are you focused on the things which bring God glory? Or have you turned the things of God into an idol? Because have we seen today, as we've seen, focus on anything other than God will have us teetering dangerously close to being, quote, devoted to destruction. We don't want that like the Israels were. (laughs) Trust me, that is some beef that none of us want in our lives. Amen? So when it comes to idolatry, we need to ask that question. What are we looking at? What am I looking at? What do I put my focus on? All my desires toward? What do I wake up in the morning and can't wait to do? Because whatever the answer is, that's your idol. And hopefully that answer is, seek the will of God. Amen? Listen, thanks for joining us, y'all. Don't forget, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and on Apple Podcasts, any iTunes store. And we cannot stress enough, please, Please subscribe to our podcast. Hit that subscribe button. We need that, y'all. Amen? Also, don't forget you can find us on the web at BenevolentFaithMinistries.org. Log on now. Learn more about our giving partnerships and how you can be the church without the need for any building. And don't forget to log on this and every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time for our online church services. Go to BenevolentFaithMinistries.online.church and we can't wait to worship with you. And don't forget... Every Wednesday, 4 p.m., Walk in the Word. We're only going to be on for a certain number of weeks, and we've got some great shows coming up, so make sure you catch us. Amen, because we'll catch y'all next time. Holla!